As we get ready for uh, God's word, let's pray together. Dear Lord, uh, these powerful words, even though words really aren't enough, but the words of death could not hold you, you are victorious, praise to the risen King. Uh, my prayer would be simple, that, that all here uh, would would really know that, and, and let's take the, the churchiness out of it, and that uh, you died for us, uh, you rose uh, for us, so regardless of what people have going on in their lives, regardless of our idols, and those can be good things that become ultimate things, it can be school, it can be college, it can be career, it can be sports, it can be marriage, it can be a new marriage, it can be family, it can be a new child, good things become ultimate things, ultimately, Our life was created by you. Our life belongs to you. And I just pray we give it to you more and more. We become converted by your spirit. We turn to you more and more. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all turn our Bibles to Acts 10, 27 through 48. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, Why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to all who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. After he commanded us to preach to the people and to to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out 
even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing, then speaking in tongues and exalting God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is the word of God. Thank you, Caleb. Caleb was reading uh, to us in Acts, Acts chapter 10, and he read part of it, uh, verse 27 through 48. Uh, so we're going to stay in, in that passage. If you have your Bible, just keep it there. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to get up and get one in the back. Uh, a couple things before we get going. I uh, love uh, our service today because it showed a lot about our community. As uh, we talked about with the children in VBS, uh, you can sign up on the website, and we hope that we will invite a lot of other kids from this community, this neighborhood, uh, to be here, that VBS, in mid-June. Just a reminder about our Honduras trip, our leaders have talked about that. You saw some pictures uh, of that as well, and uh, a great opportunity uh, for mission. And then last, uh, the... The final verse here, verse 48, really 47 and 48, uh, they believe, they're converted, and then they're baptized. And so we were blessed two weeks ago uh, with a couple baptisms and having baptisms on Easter. And that has, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit has spurred on a couple other folks uh, to be baptized. So we're looking at having another baptism service Mother's Day, which is in about a month's time. And so if you have not been baptized, interested in baptism, I'd love to talk to you about that over the next month. But more importantly, even more important than baptism, is something I want to talk to you about today, and that is conversion, to be converted. Uh, Sometimes we like to say that to be be saved, uh, to be converted. Uh, Over the last three weeks, we have, including today, we've looked at three conversions in Acts. Uh, And the book of Acts has a lot of conversions. And two weeks ago over Easter, we saw Philip, uh, Guy the Ethiopian, and he was converted. Uh, Last week, uh, we talked about the conversion of Saul. And then today, this conversion uh, of Cornelius. And as I've been reading about it, thinking about it, as we've been going through Acts, I think it's important to talk about what is converted Help us all think about, am I converted? Or am I thoroughly converted to Christ? Now, what what is interesting before we get going in this passage is conversion literally means to turn, okay? And I want to put up two verses on the screen. It's actually the same verse, but two different translations. The first one is in the King James Version. It's Matthew 18.3, okay? I don't know if we've quoted King James ever in the life of this church, but it's, it's actually, I, I like it. It's, it's good English as the English major that I am. Matthew 18.3, uh, look at these words. It says, Jesus said, verily, I love that, verily I say unto you, except ye, don't you love that ye? Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. These are words of Christ. And so the original English version of the Bible, which this was, has this word converted. Now then, there are other translations that come about. 
So let's put the other one up there. This is the Christian Standard Bible, which I've begun to use and I like. Matthew 18.3, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, now, I show that, I use that because talking about conversion uh, literally means that you, you turn. It's not a, a 360, it would be a 180. And I've heard it said before, conversion, so being saved, okay, becoming converted as a Christian, it doesn't replace who you are. It's a lot of coughs right there. It doesn't replace who you are. It's okay, cough as much as you like. This is kind of an important point, okay, so I just want to... It doesn't replace who you are, it refaces who you are. And I've always liked that. And what I mean is that the gifts God has given you, you have pre-conversion before you're converted. Whether those gifts are physical, emotional, intellectual, whatever they are, whether it's your job, your career, those gifts are, are still there, but it refaces them. Uh, now, as you have turned to Christ, it changes your motives, your motivations, why you do what you do. For example, like some, this is just one example, okay? Uh, some may have a gift, and I think this is a gift of just being a deal maker. You know, a combination of using their mouth and their relationships and just ability with people, good with people, and they can make deals and That doesn't mean they become a pastor. It might. But they could use those same gifts to uh, help talk and nurture and disciple people for Christ, even as they remain in business. Your gifts are just refaced. They've turned. You have a new drive and motivation in everything that you do. Okay? And that is true conversion, thorough conversion, spirit-filled conversion, as we've been uh, going through this series. So, I want to look at today, fairly briefly, because it, it's a lot, but uh, the conversion of Cornelius for us. And I would love for us, myself included, to think about, you know, am I truly converted? It's a big question. I mean, I think it needs to be asked here in this worship service every Sunday. Am I thoroughly converted? Like, how can I grow more in my conversion to Christ? So, Here we see Cornelius, I think, and this is my opinion, but I think there there are four aspects of conversion, of spirit-led, it's Holy Spirit-led conversion, Holy Spirit-filled conversion that we see in Cornelius turning, becoming a Christian. So I want to go through these four fairly quickly in the passage that uh, Brother Caleb read. The first one would be, that all conversion starts with God. All conversion starts with God. Now, that may seem simple, but I actually think we get that wrong often. Like, we think, well, I'm searching for God, and now I'm, I've found Him. You know, which is total in contrast to the, the old hymn, you know, I was lost, and now I'm found. I was found by God. Or we just think, you know, I'm searching for God, and God is not there. Well, see, the good news is, and this is another old saying I've heard, if you sense, if you sense God's absence, it's a sign of his presence. What I mean by that is that even if you sense, like, you're thinking about God, well, where is God? God's right there. 
God has, and we've, we've said this over and over in the life of our church, God is always seeking you. God is the initiator of our conversion, of our salvation. Uh, we don't start it. God begins it and ends it by the work of His Spirit. And we see this. You're like, well, where's that in this, in this passage? It, it's right here, the opening verses. Peter's come to Cornelius. And this is like verse 27 through uh, 29. Peter asks him, and he says, look, why did, why did you send for me? He says, why did you send for me? And then Cornelius says, well, I was praying, this is verse 30. Then a man in dazzling clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard. Verse 31, your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. So, verse 33 says, I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. God was looking for Cornelius. God sent an angel to Cornelius to send for Peter. God's work was already being done in Cornelius' life. So the message for us is God, is God is always seeking you. If you're thinking about God, if you're like wanting to grow in your spiritual life, the good news is, man, God is after you. And God has come in to claim you, take you. This would be the first point because it's the first thing that's happening. God is Seeking you. All conversion starts with God. He is the initiator. So I love uh, me and Ethan, my youngest son. We love, a little secret, we love Tom and Jerry. No Tom and Jerry? Not two people. You know, the cat and the mouse, Tom and Jerry. And I always, even growing up, man, I mean, I want to be Tom, okay? I like Tom. Well, even though Jerry's the smarter and always tricks him, Ethan likes Jerry, but we watch it. But I was thinking about this with... You know, somebody said it, thinking that you are seeking God or that you're the initiator, you're the starter of your conversion is like thinking the mouse is seeking after the cat, okay? And that just doesn't ever happen. It's always the cat. And it's God who is seeking after you. So, so the good news is, even if, you, like, where, if you're like, where is God? God's right there. He's coming after you. If you're beginning to search for God, if you're beginning to want to grow in your spiritual life, God is after you. He is seeking you. Uh, conversion begins and ends with God. Something else that we see here, true conversion, real conversion, spirit-led conversion, is, get this, these are my words, a challenge to religion. See, often we think that Conversion comes out of religion, okay? And I say that because religion meaning like, well, sometimes uh, what, we, what we might do here, which are, are good things and, and we're growing, but I want to be clear about this, so stay with me. But even like the, the worship and the Bible study and the Sunday school classes and the mission, I'm talking about religious activities Often, I think we're tricked to think, well, if I do, do, do enough, then I'll really, I'll really feel it, I'll really get it, I'll really, I'll really be a Christian. And nowhere in the gospel, in the Bible, uh, does it say that. And this is really, really key for us to get. Me too, because I can fall in this trap. Like I do, the more I do, uh, the more saved I will be, the better Christian I will be. True conversion, real conversion Always is a challenge to religion, and those things that we, that we do 
is a response that we want to grow into Christ, into being a Christian more and more. You're like, well, where does it say that? Well, those are my words. But what it says here, what it shows us, is that Cornelius was, okay, get this. Cornelius was a praying man, okay? So he got, even though he was Roman, and he was a soldier, and he had a very, uh, he had a very good life, okay? Uh, If you do some background on this, Peter came, he had a nice place uh, where he lived in uh, Caesarea, uh, some of you have been to Israel. I never have, but it's a place by the sea. He had, I mean, a nice kind of, as some might say it better than I, you know, like tripped up place, okay? And it's, it's all good, and, and he's chilling, and he's relaxed, and he's a commander. He's got leadership gifts. He's leading a regiment for Rome. And somehow he's been impacted by a religion of Judaism. And so he prays, and he does these acts of charity. So Peter doesn't come to him and say, Cornelius, man, you're doing great. I mean, you're killing it. I mean, uh, work, position, career, everything. And you're just such a good community uh, citizen. And, you know, you're praying for people and your acts of charity. And you're just, you're just great. But there's just one more little thing that you need to add, okay? No, he's like, you need to know Christ. Peter tells him the gospel later on, as we will see. And I, as I read this, I thought about a great parallel, okay? just so you'll follow me, is Nicodemus, okay? Now, some of you may not know Nicodemus, but you do know John 3.16. I mean, everybody knows that, right? John 3.16 was said to this guy, name Nicodemus in John 3. Put it up on screen. The first couple of verses, John 3. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, What I'd love for you to see uh, in this passage and with Cornelius is, see, Nicodemus is also, I mean, he's killing it, crushing it. He's a Pharisee. He's got a lot of religious authority. He's got a lot of religious power. He is a leader in his community. He's doing great. Jesus doesn't say to him, you're killing it, Nicodemus. You're doing great. You're just, I mean, you're, you're this moral, ethical leader. Just one more little thing you kind of need. No. Does he say that? He says you need to be born again. He says you've got to be turned upside down. Now, he didn't say you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but I would say that. I think Nicodemus and even Cornelius and even us sometimes do these things for the wrong reasons. Hear me out. True conversion, it's a challenge to religion. You're like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says our, our chief, our, our sin, like the real deal sin, I mean, why Jesus had to come to the cross, is that we want to be Lord of our lives. We really want to be on the throne. We want to be the man or the woman. Or, and so we do this in two ways. Either we break all the rules or we keep all the rules. Like, and that's why I love the parable of the prodigal son. It, like, it encapsulates the gospel. It encapsulates our need for Christ, for the cross, that somebody had to die for us. Because you had the younger brother, and that's what we often focus on, but you had the older brother too. We want to be our own God. That's our sin. That was Genesis 3. That is today. We want to be our own God. And we do that. Often we'll break the rules, and we'll be like, you know, that's what we 
kind of like to highlight, you know, whether it's getting drunk all the time or, you know, sleeping around or greed or, you know, like being bad as the world sees it. Or, in this case, we'll keep all the rules. And like, you know, I'm, I'm doing great ethically, morally. True conversion, real conversion says you've got to be born again. Like I said, it's got to be a turn. You turn to Jesus. Somebody else, throwing all these quotes that I've heard before, but uh, said the Bible like the message of the gospel is if you think you're okay, you're not. And if you know that you're not okay, you're on your way. It's that whole idea of repentance, a need. You gotta, I mean, I, look, my wife can tell you, I fall in this trap. I'm like, man, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm you know, trying to serve a church, love a church, grow a church, you know, uh, get people to go out and mission and all this. I mean, I'm, that's not even... And then I'm like, well, where's Jesus and all that? What I said in all that was about me, okay? And so that's why I say thoroughly converted, repenting over and over again. That's why I talk about turning to Jesus and what he has done. That's what I'm talking about. So true conversion is a, it's a challenge to religion. The gospel is not religion. It's a challenge to uh, being good, doing right. And that's what we see in Cornelius. That's what we see in Nicodemus. Actually, as we go through Acts, all the people who it really highlights are converted are like killing it in life. They're like Lydia, who's this great business lady and, and ethical. And Paul says you've got to be born again. So, anyway, third point. Third point is true conversion. And you know this already, but I just want to highlight it. It's a, a transformation by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the end of uh, the passage we read, verse 44 through 46. Here's the Holy Spirit, it says, verse 44, came down on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those would be the Jewish or were Jewish, Jewish Christians, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they had heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. True conversion, real conversion, a life is transformed by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that happens internally and externally, in the heart uh, and in our actions. Okay? Uh, let me give you kind of two examples or what this, this passage shows. First off was the Holy Spirit came down and the believers... Peter still speaking, verse 44, the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit had been poured out. They were speaking in other tongues. They were declaring the greatness of God. Okay? Declaring the greatness of God, uh, something you may or you may not like to do, would be what we call worship. Okay? So when we say worship, we get into the churchy word of, of singing, you know, like we've done, you know, I'm, I'm a one-hander often, you know, declaring the greatness of God, worshiping. Often our issue is that we worship the wrong things. We're all worshipers. Yeah, you may worship, like I do, you may worship baseball. You may worship your kid. Uh, you may worship being a church leader. Uh, you may worship uh, being a leader. You may worship money. You may be worshiping toys. I took some psych classes, some psychology classes uh, in undergrad, a few, and I remember they, and I, I do think this plays into our spiritual life, that Every human being, I believe this, was driven by one of four things. 
Approval, either approval, control, power, or comfort. And so you're Christian or not, you can be driven by those things. And those things play into what it is that we worship. So when you are converted, true conversion, you begin to get, I like to say the penny drops, and you really worship God more and more for what he's done for you, for us. That's why we come to church. We have to be reminded of it. That's why you might uh, go to a small group. I encourage you to go to a small group, to be reminded of it, to read your Bible, to be reminded of these things that we would focus and turn our worship to God and not these other things. Let me give you a quick example. A guy, my wife and I knew, actually, we were in seminary, divinity school. I'm not going to say his name. Uh, I'll say he doesn't, he doesn't live in this country anymore, but who knows. He might, uh, anyway, I won't say his name. This dude, let's say he used to, well, he used to sleep around a lot, okay? And not that he was the only guy I knew that slept around uh, a lot with girls. And, uh, and then he felt like he experienced a conversion even though he said he was a Christian kind of before all this and he was sleeping around a lot. Um, and this dude, he said, you know, converted or more thoroughly converted and so changing his life. And he began to come to be part of a uh, Christian group that we were part of. Uh, but here's the thing. In that group, in that ministry that he was part of, he always had to be in control. Uh, every group he wanted to be in control uh, even the whole group, he wanted to be in control. And uh, then there was an instance where it, he kind of confessed and there was a realization that his control issue was tied to his sleeping around too. Like he would sleep around with other girls and then, you know, when they were, uh, when they were conquered, so to say, you know, he, he'd be done with them and then move on. And when he couldn't have control, even in the ministry, he would move on. From there, and uh, I still think I, we don't know for sure, but there's kind of that pattern in his life. So he might say he was converted, but there was still, and we might see the issue of like sleeping around in adultery, but it was really the issue of control. True conversion it changes the heart in what we worship. We give our control to God. We we know that we have His approval. Uh, we don't have to live for our own comfort. We know that He would comfort us, and we don't have to live for power. We worship Lord. There's also a change in our actions. And this happens when it says that they were worshiping together. They were speaking in tongues, declaring the greatness of God, verse 46. Now, if you remember, if you've been following us, way back in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came down Pentecost and they were speaking in tongues. And here this happens again, okay? Now, I think this is important because it shows, as it showed in Acts 2, now it shows again that there is no one tribe or language or culture or race that is better than another. The Acts 2 message is here in the Acts 10 message, that that all people together uh, worshiping, declaring the greatness of God, true conversion, both heart and action and voice and hands and spirit. It's why I've been so blessed going around the world, and I pray that that will continue throughout my life, to visit other churches and support other churches and seeing other races and cultures and language worship and worship together to see the greatness of God. And also it humbles me because I have my own prejudice that I can admit as well in my heart. Okay? And if we're all honest, we all do. But to see that God 
You know, in the church, it knows no prejudice. And one thing I love about the church and this church, and I will say it over again, is that Jesus Christ, we believe he is Lord of all, regardless of race, of culture, of language, of tribe, of ethnic group, of sexual orientation, of whomever you are, Jesus is Lord. And real conversion changes that where you are grasp hands with people and say, brother and sister, even maybe in a different language or another language or another race. Amen? Okay? That's true conversion. That's what I want in my life, over and over again, what your life. And so the Holy Spirit transforms us internally where we worship God. Externally, we'll grip hands or give hugs to brothers and sisters, both here in the city, across the world. That, and Christ knows no difference. And then the last thing, and I believe this is the most important thing. So conversion starts with the Lord. It's a challenge to our trying to do right. It's a transformation by the Holy Spirit. And then last True conversion does happen by the words, the words of the gospel. I say words because I'm not talking about my words. I'm talking about the word of scripture. But when you're converted, you hear a word somewhere. The word of God in scripture, a word of a brother or sister discipling you. And here Peter, and I love this, I've saved this to kind of the last point because it is most important. Peter preaches a sermon to Cornelius. He hears the gospel. Let's start verse 36. Peter says, he sent the message to the Israelites, proclaim the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He, as I just said, but here's scripture, he is Lord of all. You know the events, the centurion didn't know the events, that took place throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. How he went about doing good and healing all under the tyranny of the devil, because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us, whom God appointed as witness. And I love this, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. All real conversion... It's, it's not a, a social act. It's not a, a cultural act. All real, it's not even a, a church act, even though the church is the plate. But real conversion happens through the words of the gospel, the word of scripture, the word of a brother or sister, a friend discipling you. What's the gospel? I'll put up one more verse. Luke 12, 49 through 50. This is Jesus saying, I came to bring fire on the earth. That's kind of heavy. Jesus said, I came to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to undergo and how it consumes me until it is finished. I love those last three words, it is finished. Does that sound familiar? Okay. He said those words on the cross. Jesus came. He did bring a fire. He brought the fire of God down on himself. So we, you and me, could have the fire of God's power and provision and presence. Okay? God's fire came on Jesus so we could have God's fire, the spirit-filled fire. Okay? That's the baptism that he was talking about. We talked about if you sense the absence of God, then you're very near to his presence. Jesus had the full absence of God on the cross so we always could have the full presence of God. That is, that is the gospel message. That is why we should do what we do. 
Jesus took it so we could get it. Amen. Amen. And only through those words, and I don't have to be the one saying them, but I do have to say them, okay? Because I believe that is, my opinion, good preaching. But only those words bring about true conversion, and it's the Holy Spirit that does it. So not either a one-to-one disciple and mentoring, teaching relationship, or a small group, or preaching. It's the Holy Spirit that truly converts the heart. So, closing up, just three, like, just three practical things. And real, real quick. First off, it's easy to think, and I know some of you do because I, I pastor you. It's easy to think, I'm unclean. Like you wouldn't say it maybe in those words. Or I'm, I'm dirty, or I'm, I'm not good enough. Or because of my past life. Well, you should remember this passage, remember these words. Peter says, uh, verse 28, God has shown me I must not call any person impure or unclean. If you, if you sense God's absence, it's a sign of his presence. Practically, no one is unclean in God's eyes. You are, no one here is unclean. No one should consider themselves unclean. Uh, something else that I love, I love this about this passage, okay? Here's Peter, okay? Like Peter the rock, Peter the man. Like we love Peter. Peter's, you know, him and David are probably my two favorite dudes in, in the Bible. And here's Peter, the evangelist, okay? Mr. Super Christian getting ministered to by the converted Cornelius. Did you catch that? You probably didn't. You're like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Cornelius, new Christian, new believer. Peter's like, wow, like, I should really like eat and drink with people who are different than me. Like God loves them too. Like God wants to call them into his kingdom too. Peter's literally saying, you know, I've been off. And so I think, I just, I see the teachability of Peter. Peter, okay? Peter is like, preached sermons out. You know, he healed the, uh, the, the lame man in Acts 3. I mean, he, he if anybody had an excuse to like not be teachable at this point, it was Peter. And he was like, I'm a, I was off. I was off. Um, so in Christianity, and, and this is a, if, honestly, if you remember nothing else, I'd kind of like you to remember this. This is why we need, we need to be around new believers. Uh, we need to be around different people, uh, different races, different cultures, different languages, foreign missions, Honduras, is that these people can minister to us, as several of y'all have seen, these people can disciple us through the Holy Spirit. Cornelius was discipling Peter. Well, God was discipling Peter through, the, through Cornelius. And then last, uh, I love, last thing, last point. Verse 41, we ate and drank with Jesus. We ate and drank with Jesus. If Jesus was a ghost or a hallucination, I mean, you can't say pass assault to a hallucination. We ate and drank with him. We ate and drank with him again after the resurrection. Peter said, like, it's true. It's real. To Cornelius and to us, it's true. It's real. Uh, the, the question, you know, for a true conversion is not, is Christianity going to benefit me? Is it exciting? Is it adventure? Uh, it is, I believe. But the question is, is it's true? And if it's true, it changes you. It converts you. And it is true. You know, last thing, last, last thing I'll say is, um, used this before, thought about this before, but uh, I, I read Christian magazines like Christianity Today and, and their 
articles uh, always kind of through the years talking about how families uh, will move to foreign countries or, or move to cities or inner cities uh, and leave uh, places of privilege uh, to go to places of underprivilege uh, for the cause of Christ. Why do they do that? Not because it's exciting, not because it's adventure, because it is true. That's why. Because it's all true. And if it's all true as it is, um, not only are these families, uh, not only is it going to be exciting and adventure and grow them, but it's going to be okay. Even going to places that they never thought they might go, going to places that other folks whom are not converted might say, that's crazy. So I'd love to see that more and more in our church family. And I'm not necessarily saying going for good, because I love you all, but if you're called to go for good, but at least called to go more and more in areas like, you know, just never thought I would do that. But God has called me to go out to the Corneliuses, to the brothers and sisters, because I'm being converted over and over again, and I feel the need to help convert this world, to convert this world by the power of the Holy Spirit for the cause of Christ, because of Christ, for his kingdom. So let's close. Let's pray that God would, um, I pray that God would thoroughly convert us more and more to that end, okay? Heavenly Father, just thank you for your promise, your power, your presence, and your provision. Convert us anew, convert us for the first time, or thoroughly convert us. Or we know it's true, and we know it'll all be okay. In Jesus' name, amen.